The 630 Chad Afternoon News with Jaylen Nye and Andrew Gross. Weekdays at 2 on 630 Chad. Gaging conversation with Jaylen Nye and Andrew Gross. Breaking news with Eileen Bell and sports with Morley Scott. This is the Afternoon News on 630 Chad, Edmonton's breaking news and conversation station. Playing Paul McCartney tunes all afternoon for you because, of course, Paul McCartney announcing this morning he's coming to Edmonton uh, as part of a four Canadian uh, city tour, the Freshen Up tour. Uh, he's also going to Quebec City, Montreal, and Winnipeg. That's uh, happening here in Edmonton on September 30th at Rogers Place. Tickets for the concert will go on sale Friday, July 13th at 10 a.m. Well, Andrew, it's amazing uh, how time flies. Mm. We're coming up on the three-month anniversary of that devastating crash involving the Humboldt Broncos. So since then, it's been nice to share some positive news when Mm -hmm. we can about the franchise and the families involved and or affected. Um, Today, the Humboldt Broncos franchise announced the naming of their new head coach, Nathan Oystrick. He'll be the head coach and general manager, replacing the late Darcy Hogan, who was honored at the NHL Awards late last month in Vegas. Of course, Darcy Hogan did pass away in that crash, leaving behind his wife and two young children. Um, The new head coach and GM, Nathan Oystrick, is originally from Regina, and um, he had a press conference this morning and just uh, reflected on what it took for him to get this new opportunity. On behalf of my wife and I, um, I'd like to thank the Humboldt Broncos Hockey Club and organization for the opportunity to be this organization's next head coach and general manager. Um, My wife and I are excited to move to Saskatchewan and to be joining a tremendous community of Humboldt. We're grateful for the warm welcome that I've received so far since I've been here. Um, And I look forward to leading the Humboldt Broncos but will never forget the circumstances which have brought me here. I understand how much the Broncos have always meant to the community of Humboldt, but I also understand what the team means to so many people across North America and globally. I'm honored and excited to help lead the Humboldt Broncos to success in the 2018-2019 season. I did not know Darcy Hogan but like so many people in this world today, I wish I had. His core covenant will remain where he placed it on the wall outside the Broncos dressing room. I believe in his commitment to not just developing skilled hockey players, but developing great human beings. And I hope that I can make him proud while doing this job. On the ice, I want to play a fast-paced, in-your-face game. Um, we're going to play a pressure game. Having played at different levels, um, I know that pressure is, is a big thing in, in the game. Um, my goal here is to win championships, um, but also to build strong character people. Off the ice, I want to build relationships with the people of Humboldt 
in the community and help wherever and whenever I can. The players and I will be heavily involved in community events and you will get to know me and the players very well. Again, thank you to the board of directors, personnel, fans of the humble Broncos for welcoming me to this historic community. I look forward to meeting everyone and to see you all at the games. That is the Humboldt Broncos new head coach and general manager, Nathan Oistrick. He is replacing Darcy Hogan, who passed away in that fatal crash. Andrew, you could hear the emotion in his voice. Yeah, no kidding. Accepting that position. Well, you know, it, that's a tough one to take. Oh, no kidding. You know, just given the circumstances under which the, the position became available, that's obviously a tough one, right? Yeah, and I wonder, um, and I, I don't want to dive deep into this because it still is a sensitive subject just that first bus ride they're gonna have to take Mm -hmm. and him dealing with teenage boys some of them are 20 or 21 a lot of them are 17 18 19 and by no means are any of them fully uh developed men mentally right um they've been through something that none of us can imagine and i think that is going to be his biggest challenge is that first trip to just say something to these gentlemen to give them some sense of, of comfort sitting on that bus. And there never will be complete comfort mm-hmm. for any of them. Well, but, the expectation, I can only imagine the expectation for a player on a team that is now internationally famous would be difficult all by itself. Five years from now, I will bet you that people in Japan will know the name the Humboldt Broncos. They might not remember why they know it, but that 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 whole returning to normal is going to be difficult for the community, for, for Humboldt, for members of the team, and and for um for this coach because he's taking over a, a very difficult situation. He is. Um, speaking of the Broncos, though, while we're on the topic, there is other positive news. Ryan Strasnitsky, who was paralyzed in that accident back in April, has been in Philadelphia for about the last month or six weeks or so, undergoing rehabilitation. Um, him and his family, he and his family have been in a hotel. He, Ryan Strasnitsky and his family will be going home tomorrow. Home is Airdrie, hmm. but they will be staying in a hotel because they are getting their home renovated to have it wheelchair accessible for Ryan. For Ryan to be back home after such a long time away, he has to be anxious for this. He's been away from other family Mm. members, friends, his girlfriend, who has been so supportive of him this entire time. Uh, It's just another feel-good story. Ryan has a long road ahead of him, as we all know. He's been paralyzed from the neck down. But this man, his positivity... And his dream to play hockey once again. I know in myself, I don't know if I could ever have that kind of strength that he has. He's only 19 years old. And personally, I'm so happy that he gets to be back home and be surrounded by more friends, more family, being with his girlfriend on a regular basis. And then moving into a facility, his home, which will now be accessible to him for him to get around and continue to rehab and live his life. Yeah, the only thing he didn't break uh, was his spirit. No kidding. (laughs) Very strong guy. Um, Before we take our break, uh, I want to do a little uh, public service announcement here. Uh, 
I read this story this morning. If I can be of any assistance to this uh, family, I'd like to be, or if you can help me be of assistance to this family. So last month, uh, Edmontonian uh, Charles Pun and his wife returned from a vacation in the U.S. They found their home had been burglarized. A fireproof uh, proof safe that they had was taken, among uh, other items that were stolen. Um, what was in the safe is of very little significance to the Pun family, uh, any money or uh, whatever, but among the things in the safe, and this is how important these items were to the puns, they had uh, 8 to 10 albums in there, each containing 30 to 40 pictures um, that date back to the 1940s, including when Pun first arrived in Canada in the late 1960s for school. The family doesn't care about the rest of the contents of the safe. They simply want these photo albums back. They're irreplaceable. They mean a lot to the family, as you can imagine. Um, the family is hoping the thief or thieves will have a heart and return the photos to them or that somebody will come across them somewhere. Um, I don't know where you would, but it doesn't hurt to put the request out. They're basically hoping for a miracle. So if you have any information uh, with regard to the photo albums or the uh, break-in, of course, um, there is always Crime Stoppers. However, the family has set up an email account. If you have any information on these photo albums, that's all they want to know about you can get hold of the family directly by emailing lostpun, spelt like a bad joke, pun, P-U-N, lostpunfamilyphotos at gmail.com. I know it's a long shot that any of you would know anything about this, but worth taking the shot for the pun family. When you were young and your heart was an open book You used to say To, uh, Sir uh, McCarthy, I have to. Uh, did you say McCartney? Sorry, man. Wow. My, my, listen, I'm here, but not completely. <laughs> Sir McCartney. I feel like if I said the same thing, you would have given me a slight shot. I would have. I would have. Radio and McCarthy don't go together. Um, we had to let him get to the. Uh, Da, 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 da. Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, if we people if we turned it off before then or faded it out, they, what the heck was that? I know I can't and I can't take that today. By tomorrow, <laughs> I'll be fine. Uh, hey, if you happen to be headed to the Calgary Stampede, uh, you should probably be aware of this. There, uh, expect heavily increased security measures at the Stampede this year. Apparently, since last year's Stampede ended, and and specifically in light of what happened here in Edmonton, uh, the Calgary Stampede has. Uh, the Calgary Emergency Management Agency, I should say, in uh, cooperation with the Calgary Stampede, has uh, implemented a lot of uh, uh, measures to ensure uh, the safety of its patrons this year and uh, in years moving forward. Uh, so among... The, the rule of thumb is basically this. Uh, among other things, they're doing, you know, vehicle barriers, um, more cameras, uh, more law enforcement on site. Uh, but basically the rule of thumb is this. If you're going to the Stampede, you're not sure if you're able to bring a specific item, just pretend you're going to the airport and you'll be fine. Whatever you would typically not get past security at the airport is what you will not be able to get past security at the Calgary Stampede. So that would include any kind of weapon, sharp objects, 
um, bottles, that sort of thing. So any rule that you can think of, generally a rule of thumb, not a specific uh, rule, but generally whatever you would typically not bring through security at the airport. Uh, and they've been running drills as well, which is interesting. Six of them, they've done these before. They've never done this many, um, but they've been running drills um, in order to um, be able to react quickly to any kind of uh, terrorist threat or anything like that. So those would include evacuating people and uh, moving people to safe places and that sort of thing. They also, and this is kind of weird, uh, they're going to have an on-site meteorologist. That's a good move. That probably is a good move. That's a really good move because you get out there on a Saturday afternoon, a Sunday afternoon, and you've had a few extra beverages, let's say. Yeah. And you're not cognizant of how hot it is and you're not drinking water. Man, oh man, it can go downhill quickly. I mean, over the weekend back home in Ottawa, it was 46 with the humidity before noon. And I I don't know the exact number. It was over 100 emergency calls by noon due to heat-related issues. And Calgary's never going to get that warm because of the different climate we have out here. But having an on-site meteorologist and maybe the TV in the the concourse is switched to show you how hot it is... Mm -hmm. All I can think is good things come from that. Well, sure. Well, that and a severe weather event. I mean... Uh, oh, yeah. Remember yeah. Pinoca a couple years ago? Right, exactly. Yeah. Would Nobody been, knew it was coming. Would have been nice to get a bit of a warning on that, for sure. We were... Well, we, I say we. People were lucky that year that they did get out in time. I mean, that was such a fast-moving yeah. storm. And nobody had a clue, unless you're constantly on your phone and you can have an idea by looking at the sky but you don't know if there's a tornado that is touched down and is moving quickly towards you mm-hmm. i mean one minute can be make or break for what happens next i'm interested to know what meteorologists or meteorologists are available to do the calgary stampede i mean what are they doing i'm assuming that they're going to take meteorologists who typically do television weather and you got to think so because there can't be a whole bunch of unemployed meteorologists in Calgary <laughs> that are like, oh, thank around. goodness. Yeah, woke up from his midday nap right. that he's been having for the last month. I was going to sling hot dogs, but now this is way better. <laughs> <laughs> was, what, a, what a great time for this job opportunity to come along. Yeah, if you've been an unemployed meteorologist, <laughs> yeah. get in touch with Calgary Stampede. Maybe they well, What did, what did the up. want ad look like? <laughs> Just Tired of doing TV? <laughs> Love overpriced hot dogs and Coke? We may have an opportunity for you. <laughs> it's 10 days only. <laughs> yeah. It's a limited opportunity. <laughs> yeah, we'll consider it a contract job. I'll have to find out from Jesse Beyer later on if he applied for that. And if so, did he get it? And if not, why not? Uh, hey, and speaking of... Uh, I feel like the show just started. We're an hour and a half into the darn thing. Uh, and we keep jumping topics here, but there's so many local of interest topics. What about this one? Do you think it's a good idea, Brad? Keep it in mind again that the person in that chair has to have an opinion. Uh, Edmonton, there's an Edmonton group that wants to convert outdoor uh, skating rinks into summer dog parks. So consider that outdoor rink, right, that's got just grass there in the, in the summer months, but it's got a boards all around it, so, you know, it contains the dogs. It's the Dogs Off-Leash Program. It's hoping the city council approves their proposal that will provide funding to community leagues so that they can operate off-leash sites. So this would be each community league, but it would be, the onus would be on them to organize this if they have a rink. Now, that rink would not include those rinks which are in use during the summer for lacrosse or soccer. There's a lot of different uses for them. Or those rinks, I suspect, that have uh, cement foundations. So this would be if your community league has grass. Um, But they would like 
individuals in each uh, community to get hold of their own community association and propose the idea, and then they would like the community leagues to get the city uh, to buy into it with a little bit of money, because of course you will have to, somebody will have to oversee it, somebody will have to clean up after the dogs, I mean there's going to be some costs associated with it, uh, and apparently it's been done, and uh, successfully so in Strathcota County and St. Albert. So they're already doing it. It's not a unique, a new idea, but it's a pretty good one, I think. I agree with you. I mean, yeah. uh, if, if they're being maintained, these rinks, and they're not taking away from any other recreational sport or activity or anything that has previously been scheduled there, mm-hmm. why not? I mean, it's a small space for these dogs, and if it gets packed, I mean, they're not going to have a ton of room to, to run or, or chase a ball or a toy or what have you. But, I mean, it just provides another opportunity for people to bring their dogs to an off-leash area and let them get out there and have some fun. I, I, I really don't see an issue here. Well, and I think people should really take advantage of uh, their community leagues. It, it used to be, and, you know, maybe we're getting back there again and, and community leagues are getting stronger, or perhaps I'm just, you know, not been keeping an eye on them. But back when I was a kid, community leagues were hugely important. That's where you went and signed up for your first sports team. It uh, was a social uh, meeting place. It, even if you weren't uh, on the board or, or actively involved in the meetings, the community hall was a place that brought neighbors together. Um, which in this day and age, I, I don't think there's a time where we can't or shouldn't be spending more time together getting to know our neighbors because we've been moving in the opposite direction of that for years. Um, but I, yeah, I would encourage people to get involved in their community leagues and take advantage of this particular opportunity because that would be a great idea. I don't have a dog anymore, but if I did, I'm trying to think where we have a rink in Twilliger. Jeez, we might not. But anyway, um, the only place we ever went was that Twilliger dog park. Right. Uh, which is great and handy. I guess maybe that's why we don't need a rink. Uh, but for that opportunity not to have to pack up the dog and everything else and drive them all the way over there, just to be able to walk them and then let them off the leash, right? Yeah. Yeah. If you're a blocker two away yeah. and it's a nice evening and you just figure, hey, let's take the dog out and have right. some fun with it. Like you said, it's a quick stroll. It's right. not this... Not a, I don't want to use the word ordeal. It's yeah. not this process. Well, of, you're not breaking the law either, right? Because that's, that's the other thing. Because typically what I did, and I'll just own it, is I would take them to that uh, big field where the city had promised to build a school and never did. And, uh, you know, if nobody was around, usually early evening, so the kids aren't at the playground anymore. Not that my dog was unfriendly. And then I'd let them run in the field. Well, that's against the law, and I could get a ticket for that. But it was easy to do, right? But what you're missing in that, you're, you're introducing the dog or allowing the dog some exercise opportunity. But there's no socializing involved in that. And particularly for younger dogs, it's an excellent concept to get them to socialize with other dogs as early as possible so you don't have that problem later on down the road, right? So, yeah, I think it's a great idea. It's another one like the Green Shack program. Every now and then there's something that somebody goes, hey, why don't we do this? And you go, that's a great idea. How did it take us this right. long like, to get here? Why have we not thought about <laughs> like this facility sitting empty for what? Like nine months of the year or eight months of the year? And uh, yeah, why not use it for something else? Although I'm happy to learn that they are being used for other things. Because in the summer, I used to play lacrosse in outdoor rinks just to practice. And then we'd move to indoor rinks, right? But anyways, yeah. So another great idea. Uh, before we take the break, in only a couple of minutes, and I know that... Um, I know that, uh, what's the guy's name in the morning? Ryan Jesperson spent a lot of ta- uh, time on this. And I, now I can't find it in front of me. But how about these kids that are, have been found in Thailand down this uh, cave, right? It's an amazing story. So it's a young soccer team and their coach. 
and uh, they were what's that called? Spelunkin? What do you call that? Spelunk? I don't know. Yes. They were in caves, right? Yes. And then and then it, they flooded because Thailand gets all this water, and divers have now located them, but they could be estimated to be as many as four kilometers below this. They're not really sure how far down they are. Months away. It could be months away from rescue because they don't know at this point what the safest way is to get them out of there. But they can keep them there and keep them safe for now. But the risk would be, of course, that the caves keep flooding. And they are expecting torrential rain in Thailand. So I think worst case scenario, they take them out, the divers take them out. But they're going to have to teach them how to dive to do that, which... My goodness. For now, we know that they're all safe and alive and they're being uh, cared for. And uh, But we'll uh, definitely stay on top of that news story. The 630 Chad Afternoon News with Jaylen Nye and Andrew Gross. Weekdays at 2 on 630 Chad.